1: Welcome into episode number 186 of Greatest Pod in the South. I'm Neil McCready, J.G. Tate with me as well. It's a Sunday afternoon as we tape this. We normally tape on Mondays, but it's preseason camp. It's August the 14th. The season's 20 days away. Auburn opens with, who do they open with? The Mercer Bears. Auburn opens with Mercer. Ole Miss opens with Troy 20 days from today. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, Troy. you coaching. know, I'm a backup Troy fan. I know you are. I love the Troy Trojans. The the Troy coach making his debut, John Summerall. John Summerall, yes. Used to coach uh, at Ole Miss and is one of the super guys in, in that field. So there are a lot of people here who obviously will be cheering for the Rebels, but will be super excited to see John and hopeful that this is the first step in a, a long, successful career as a head coach for him. Oh, hell yeah. Because um, he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I got practice tomorrow. Uh, I got stuff. And Jay's got stuff. I, he said Auburn's going back to kind of normal. So, they're out of camp? Or are they just back to normal media stuff?
2: Uh, today, I believe, is the last day of actual camp. They're going to take Monday off. And then Tuesday, class starts over here. So, that's when you get back into that normal rhythm.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. See, our Ole Miss is still a week away from school starting. Ah,
2: that changes it, things.
1: They start school a week from Monday. So, they've got another week of camp. They've got a scrimmage. They had a scrimmage yesterday on Saturday. They'll have a scrimmage this next Saturday, and then I think they'll start getting into normal routine at that point. As it pertains to media, we've had like I I, I can't I got to give props because in this in this day and age, you hear people always go, "Yeah, we had to see two periods. That was it." We had Jay six practices that we were allowed to be there the entire time. From wow that's cool from start to finish we've had a lot of uh, a lot of access I, I can't complain they just on Friday or Thursday I guess was the first time that they' were like yep yeah, two periods y'all gotta go um, which was fine and then we had full access to the scrimmage so we've we had seven practices full
2: access to a scrimmage Wow
1: full access to the scrimmage It um, hasn't
2: happened at Auburn since 08 or so
1: yeah it's a Kudos to Lane Kiffin. I appreciated it. I, I'll be honest with you. There was a while there, a few days where I was like, hey, um, I jokingly said <laughs> it to somebody. I walked up to one of the media people. I guess it was Kyle Campbell. And I said, um, what do I need to do to get kicked out of here? What, what, what all do we need to <laughs> what do? We need to do? I, need to, I need to tweet something real quick. What do I need to do? And it was kind of funny. But, you know, you're not used to being out there for two and a half, three hours. And then you are. And you're like, okay, what am I, what am I writing? And the rule was no scheme. No scheme. That's right. fair. Totally fair. <laughs> Fair. But there are a few times when you're like, okay, is this personnel or is this scheme? And so, but apparently nobody broke the rules and it was fine, whatever. But we're getting back to normal, getting back into the routine, I would guess, sometime this week.
2: Yeah, let's see, Auburn, uh, I would say for me, it's like ones and zeros. You either get enough, at what I consider to be enough fall access, or you don't. And for me, we did get enough. Um, Harson's been cool uh, as far as more. Periods like for Gus, we would get a lot of pre-periods, I guess you would call it. So practice hadn't even started yet; they were just dicking around. At least when Harson has us out there now, they're they're practicing, and we get I think five or six periods, which is like you know twenty five or thirty minutes. And yeah, we have the same rule: no scheme uh, and no injuries. Also, which I wouldn't yeah. do anyway, but that's the rule for us. So I've been really happy with the access. We've gotten a lot of kids to talk to. You know, in, t- in uh, Gus's years, we would only get like two a week. We got assistant coaches this week. We've got probably eight or ten football players. So I'm really happy with the access. And I'm happy about this because, Neil, I think maybe ten years ago, it got really bad everywhere in the country with a few notable exceptions. And I think this, the, the pendulum's swinging a little bit the other way where we're getting a little more access. I mean, you're getting a
1: lot, and that's pretty cool. You know, and, and with this whole NIL thing, um, like we've got two NIL shows, one with Mason Brooks, who's an offensive tackle, and one with Troy Brown, who's a linebacker we're going to talk to them 15-20 minutes a week every week you know so other people have NIL deals with people and so the whole the whole idea of we've got to keep one message it's it's just that's not really realistic anymore Um, guys are going to talk and because guys are going to get paid to talk so you might as well make guys available and if you the school want you want to promote these guys you want to sell tickets and you want people to know who they are there's only kind of one way to do it you know and that's giving media some access and for the most part, media covering college teams—it's not that they're friendly, but they're not—they're not out to—they're not—they're not looking for you know horrible stories on guys. They're just kind of telling the stories on guys, and for the most part, the questions are pretty, pretty tame.
2: I'm friendlier now than I thought I'd ever be. Like in the '90s, I remember being an like an aspiring newspaper reporter and looking at some of the people who were starting in in, in our field. Neil, we we weren't in this field yet. You know, we called them recruiting sites or team sites at the time. And I thought, man, those guys are so soft. And now, I mean, 25 year old JG would look at me and laugh and just think I'm a clown because I'm not tough enough anymore. Yeah. And I just don't see any reason to be. I mean, that's not my role. That's not why people are subscribing to my site um, unless the team gets really bad and then they would love
1: to read that. But even then, I want to be fair, you know. 28 year old Neil would look at 52 year old Neil and go, oh my God, what happened?
2: You know what? But I knew 28 year old Neil. And i want to say this i don't i'm not going to make any judgments on your uh journalistic things. i don't read enough of your shit anyway but the person you are never would have thought you could come this far i'm serious hell i'm not sure that i, th- I would have said that 15 years ago well that's kind thank you Jay. when, I'm, when i met you that one time i don't want to i don't want to get too deep into details I, I hung out with you at a camp one time it's probably been what 10 12 years ago Anyway, you don't even remember. I don't want to go into details, but I, I was worried about you. I told you at the time I was like, "Bro, this was way before we had a show and all that stuff." I was like, "Bro, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm worried about you." And he goes, "I'm worried about me too." And I was like, "Hey, man, let's, let's get through this." You know what I mean? And and you did. Yeah. Well, and you're you. an absolute legend. I think you've come a long way, and you should be very proud of the dude you're, you you've become. And you, you still got work to do. We all do. But
1: yeah, yeah. Life's a life's an ongoing, ongoing. Um, endeavor. I you think. know that's
2: what religion is to me. I'm not going on a religion rant here because I respect everybody's views on this but to me God put me here and my the way that I repay God is to be better to be better. That's all I can really do. That's all I can really control and so I'm always trying to be a better dude, a better guy and I feel like if if I die tomorrow and I've got to stand before God or one of his you know, homies and uh, explain myself that's what I'm going to say I want to say I endeavored to be a much better person, and here's some examples why I was a much better
1: person. You know, it's funny you say that, because one of the things that I'm fortunate, my dad is, is uh, still with us. My dad turns 80 in nine days. What a stud that guy is. But uh, one of the things that I will always remember about my dad, and I, re- I think about now, is one day we were talking about religion and stuff, and I was a lot younger. And I was always kind of been um I didn't like the term born again. i I I've, I've never really liked it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm no, I get it. That. I'm with you on that. Okay. And I'm not judging for anybody out there who Absolutely that's, not. that's been your your um moment where that turned your life around. Hey, good, cool, awesome, I'm happy for you. No joke. Seriously. Um but I've always struggled with that term, like and and we were having that conversation one day and he and he said, you know, I view that as it was the gift that you have is that every day you wake up, and that's a chance to be better. That's a chance to that day be better than you were the day before, and to build on that. And in some ways, that's each day is sort of being born again. And and I, I could I could relate to that in a way that I couldn't relate to the whole. This something's going to come over you, and you're going to feel new and fresh suddenly because this moment happened. And again, I'm not judging the people who feel like they have that moment. If you do, awesome, C- congratulations. I'm I'm happy for you. But I I didn't I couldn't really relate to that. So I, I was always able to, and I'm not as good at that as I think my dad probably is. But uh, maybe he wasn't as good at it at 52 as he is at 79. So. I'll keep working at it.
2: Well, maybe you came further than he did. Who knows? As Mark Stoops would say, we're not all born on third base. and uh, Your dad may have been. Your dad is, is a stud, obviously. Um, raised my, some great, great sons. My dad was
1: not born on third base. That is ah, I know. I was just teasing. But part, some people are. sure. Maybe morally he was. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you mentioned Mark Stoops. Mark yeah. John
2: Calipari. Um, hey, before we get going, though, I just want to say that since we're doing this on a Sunday, I don't have camp today. I am partaking a little bit in the uh, Old Soul Tintype Type Series One from Cathead Distillery. Some of our favorite folks. Uh, this sure is a,
1: sir. Can I see that bottle so I'll know what, what I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, you can. Uh,
2: this is the Series One that I got at the ABC Allocation in 2000. Geez, twenty, I guess. Uh, Seven year old, 119.2 proof, and uh, it's kind of it's peppery, which I really like. Uh, I've been kind of moving that way with my. Uh, Tastes here lately, and I, this Tip really? Type series is one of my favorites. Uh, hard to find though, uh real hard to find. You're much more likely to find that. uh Was it the 13 with the gray label on it? But uh, if you do find this, man, mm, Louis Delicioso. You said it's 119 proof, 119 proof. So I, I haven't been saying this on the show, but you've seen it. I brought a bottle of Dasani, of course. Any responsible bourbon drinker is going to stay hydrated, you got to do that to avoid headaches and also just to be a better drinker. And I pour a few drops, maybe five drops in here just to kind of s- slide it out back a little bit
1: yeah i saw you do it i was kind of wondering why and then when you told me the proof i knew immediately Yeah, 120
2: about- proof is my absolute ceiling these days i just can't do it man so if it's higher than that i gotta put some water in it and i know this is a little bit below 120 but it's pretty damn close so just put a little but water in there and just go on with it you know
1: because the water cools it off just a little bit just right? just a
2: little bit yeah that that just we call it the kentucky hug it just loosens that hug up a little bit and It's probably better for me because I might be drinking a little bit more today, but uh, the 10-type Series 1, guys, if you see it, buy it. Seriously, do that. All right, you mentioned that Mark Stoops, the coach at uh, UK Football, who's doing a hell of a job, by the way, just in general. Yeah, for sure. Got into a little bit of a row, uh, some would say, on social media with the basketball coach, Kentucky, John Calipari. Uh, You might have been paying more attention to this than I have, Neil, because this just went down.
1: Yeah, so Calipari started it. And, and Stoops heard about it, and he was uh, – you could almost hear in his response, like, what? You know, I mean, Calipari wants a practice facility built at, at Kentucky. Which they already have one, but he wants a better one. He wants a state-of-the-art U.K. Palace basketball facility. And he says – I don't have a full quote in front of me. I just I'll paraphrase it. You know, he says, we're a basketball school. You know, I'm I'm for all the other guys and glad they're having success. And he mentioned the the basketball, the football team, and he mentioned some track team or tennis team or something. But at the end of the day, he goes, "We're a basketball school," and you're like, "Well, okay, but that's fine." And you can you can say that you want the facility and stuff, but you didn't have to go so out of control on the whole, we're a basketball school, we're a basketball school, we're a basketball school, because that's kind of a slap at everything else. Of course it is. And, and Mark Stoops knows that Kentucky is a basketball school. Everybody knows that Kentucky is a basketball school. But Mark Stoops has taken Kentucky football from, at its absolute best, mediocrity, and he has made them a very respected program. Agree. One that is a borderline threat in the SEC East. Like, I mean, I mean, I, you, we've, we've talked about this. Like, uh, uh, Ole Miss's schedule starts with these four games in September that are non-league games, the hardest games probably at Georgia Tech. And then they play Kentucky here in Oxford on October the 1st. And I've been saying for a long time, like, hey, there's your litmus test. Frick, you're gonna, we're going to know a lot about Ole Miss when they get to play in Kentucky. Well, six or seven years ago, you'd look at Kentucky coming to town and you'd be like, that's a W.
2: Dub, for sure.
1: Yeah, and now it's like it's not that way. And that's a credit to him. I mean, in this league, to survive as long as he's done and to thrive and to build and go to the bowl games they've been to and they've been winning bowl games. And now when you get a – you know, when at Kentucky shows up on your schedule, I don't care who you are, you better roll your sleeves up. You're in for a day. I mean, you're going to have to go play to, to, to beat them. And, you know, whether you're the Auburns or Alabamas or LSUs or whatever, I mean, you – you better take a lunch when you go to Lexington. (laughs) And and it hasn't always been that way, and that's a credit to him. And so he took offense to it.
2: Hell yeah, he did. And this is going on on social media too.
1: Yeah, so he just tweets because he's in the middle of their preseason camp. You know it's going to be a story the minute he hears it. And so he has to send a message to his team that goes, oh, no, 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 no. We've done our share too. And he just says, you know, I'm pretty sure we play in the SEC and I'm pretty sure we've been winning four straight postseasons and stuff like that. And Calipari, <laughs> I, I guess instead of Calipari coming back with, yeah, you know, I, I probably was out of turn. I probably said a little too much. That's not what I meant. I'm sorry. You know, he hasn't done that. And I guess he's reached out to Stoops, but Stoops hasn't taken the call. Well, he kind of did that. Like So,
2: yesterday he said, my bad, which is sort of like saying it's your fault, but not really. And then he did – so, they're in the Bahamas playing uh, in their exhibition thing, uh, yep. Kentucky Wildcats are in basketball. Yep. He, had, he did an exclusive interview with WLEX uh, last night in which he said much more clearly, I made a mistake. I should not have said that. But he had a lot of opportunities, Neil, before that to be very clear, and he didn't do it. So Stoops made this, this comment. That's what got us going on this. Was you know basically not all of us are born on third base, which is throwing serious shade at uh, Calipari, saying yeah. this whole system here, at Kentucky, is set up for basketball to be great, not football, and we've been able to pull football up. You know. Yeah. Well, it goes even deeper. So they had a, he had his regular press conference Stoops to the other day, and then Mitch Barnhart, the UK athletic director, had his own press conference after Stoops, in which he wanted to address this row. And in the course of doing this, he said it was just a media thing. The media had just trumped it all up and made it so bad. I was like, there's fucking tweets, dude. What are you talking about?
1: There's yeah, the tweets. Me- the media didn't start this.
2: Calipari started it. I'm just trying to take the heat off Calipari. I get it. But my question is this, Neil. And I, I was talking to my wife about this earlier. I'm a UK graduate in 1998. My wife grew up in Kentucky, so she's very familiar with UK. Who is more valuable to
1: UK at this point, John Calipari or Mark Stoops? And I think the answer is Mark Stoops. You know what? I think the answer is Mark Stoops, and here's why. Because a whole bunch of people have won at Kentucky basketball. Like, I'm not convinced, Jay, that you or me couldn't at least keep the ship afloat for a couple of years.
2: Dude, if Billy Gillespie can do
1: it, anybody can do it. But, I mean, like, if that job, let's say that job opened up today. They they can get damn near anyone in the country to at least answer the phone. Like if they called Billy Donovan, he'd at least listen. Sure. If they called Brad Stevens, he'd probably listen, might not take the job, probably wouldn't take the job, but he'd listen. I mean, you know, if Ole Miss calls Brad Stevens, he looks down and goes, what? (laughs) What? If Kentucky calls, he picks up and goes, Hey, what's? uh, probably not, but I'll listen for a few minutes. Um, they could get most any college coach. Obviously, it's 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 arguably the premier basketball job in the country. One of them, certainly. Um, football, on the other hand, outside of Mark Stoops, let's talk about who's won at Kentucky. Uh, well, Jerry Jerry Claiborne,
2: uh, Frank Kersey, uh,
1: Bear I mean, Bryant. Yeah, preferably, I'd like guys who were coaching there before the Kennedy. After the Kennedy administration, yeah, understood, so, understood, you know, and I, it, Stoops has done it. Stoops done is it.
2: definitely one of the two or three best coaches they've ever had. Football,
1: he's done it remarkably well. I mean, I'll be honest; like we were talking about Auburn and Lane Kiffin the other day, last time we did the show, and I, I was thinking about it afterwards. Before this, this popped up. If I'm Auburn and this thing with um, Harson goes sideways this year, maybe it won't but let's say it does for the sake of this conversation. A call that I'm making is Mark Stoops. Because if you can win at Kentucky, you should win at Auburn.
2: Well, they'd already flirted with him before, too, because they wanted him to be their defense coordinator many, many years ago. Uh, I think he was at Florida State at the time. I can't remember.
1: I think that's right. Yeah, no, they they wanted him really badly. I I mean, he's a guy that if you're out there right now and your job opens up, that's a call that I think you at least kind of make. I think so. Because the guy's just done an exceptional job making making Kentucky this, not just respectable, but look, they're really good. Well, they went to the uh, was it Outback last year and won. I mean, they beat Iowa. They came back and beat Iowa at the end. I mean, they've won a bunch of games. They're not winning the SEC, but... Look, if the only thing that that if the only measure of success for a football program in this league is is that you have to win the SEC and and can play for the national title, then or, that's
2: yeah, that, that's not fair.
1: I mean, boy, we're talking about a real small handful of programs right now, <laughs> I mean, real yeah. small, maybe two, and and so you know, he's done an exceptional job, and I don't, I was, if I were him, I would have kind of fought back too, and I'd still be a little pissed off. I mean. Calipari just needs – I guess he has. He needs to say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That was stupid. And and at that point, if you're you're stupid, you kind of let it go. But that's what – he deserves that.
2: Absolutely. Um, It's just a weird – I think that it starts off with Calipari just offhandedly saying that, just kind of like out of inertia. And then it kind of gets analyzed, and then he's just got to back up. But everybody thinks they need – the next the great, the, the greatest you know i mean even though kentucky has great facilities he still thinks they need more kentucky basketball
1: but you know what jay there comes here's a point the, man here, here's the thing too from a pure factual standpoint these days everybody's a football school well I'm, yeah that that's another point you know when when espn disney whatever when they sign this new deal with the sec and and when the that money gets divvied up in Destin or whenever in 2015, 2025, 2026. <laughs> I mean, that, that money is for the football contract. I mean, the other stuff shows up. Sure. And you're going to play some basketball and there's some really good basketball programs in the league, but ESPN is not paying for the basketball. Basketball comes with it. ESPN's paying for the football. That's what, that's what drove that deal. That's what, got you that money that changes the the face of your program
2: yeah so much going on there i just love that <laughs> barnhart decided it was at least partly the media's fault and i'm just like what are we doing like come on man if yeah. you ever find yourself blaming the media that's an automatic red flag that you've fucked up some other way i mean I'm just being real about it so
1: yeah and, and and look i think the media screws up a lot of stuff but but that that wasn't one if, if he doesn't ever say the words, we're a basketball school, if he just goes, we need to get this built, it's something that we need done, this whole thing doesn't happen. It was his words, not, a, not, not media yeah. words that created this.
2: Yeah, whatever. Anyway, Mark Stoops, uh, I think that name's going to come up. I think you made a really good point out of that. Uh, as far as other football stuff, I think uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, Ole Miss had a scrimmage. Still got another week of camp. Auburn's wrapping up camp here because school's about to start. Uh, kind of in a weird spot. They had their first scrimmage last night, and I don't think they got any further along in figuring out what their quarterback situation is. So at this point, Auburn's got really three guys uh, in, in that fight, and uh, Zach Calzado came over from AM. Uh, TJ Finley was here last year but had come over from LSU, and then uh, Robbie Ashford, who came in uh, from Oregon, this past off season, he originally from Hoover, so it's three guys that have, you know, none of whom Auburn got out of high school, and uh, that's trying to do, do these duels and try to figure out what's going on. Zach Calzada was the guy that I thought Neil was going to be, you know, the far and away winner here because I feel like we've seen TJ Finley and he's not very good. But bottom line is, Calzada's had a bad camp; he hasn't gotten much done, and uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of pressure over here on on uh, Harson, obviously. And I think he's got a he's got five home games to start the season. He's got to win all those five, um, which would include games against Missouri and LSU. Sure. And I and, don't think his I, offense is very good. And if he can't get his quarterback situation straight, I I got to be pessimistic about what this looks like, man.
1: Penn State comes there too, right? Yes. Yet,
2: so you got the first two, which is Mercer and San Jose State. I'm telling you, San Jose State's not bad. Um, and then you've got Penn State. You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to think about them just yet. And then uh, Missouri, which uh, you know, a lot of people here are just like, nah, Missouri. I'm like, hold on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of respect for uh, Eli, I, I, and I think his team's getting better. I we we'll have to talk to Gabe a little bit about that. And then uh, LSU, and I have no idea, Neil, what to expect on LSU. I just have no idea.
1: I don't either. I I just, I just, I know they're talented, and I know that a year ago they were complete chaos. But Brian Kelly will not be chaos. They will be organized, and so. I don't, know, I don't know what I expect out of LSU either. They're, to me, there's like three or four wild cards, and they're one of them. Um, it's so funny. I was putting together my 10-weekend thoughts. I was kind of going around the league. and I was pulling up all the different rival sites that, you know, like I stole some paragraphs from you guys. And um, But anyway, I mean, you, you read like the scrimmage reports from people, and you realize that whenever you go cover a scrimmage, like if you're like, man, the offense was awesome. That means the defense sucked. Or the defense is awesome. Did the, the the offense suck? You just don't know in intra squad what it means. It's why you know this. We've been doing this a long time. Yeah, you're careful. I mean, I'm I'm like super careful. Like Jackson Dart was 16 for 20. I had I had 16 for 21. Other people had 16 for 20. So whatever, it doesn't matter. He completed most of his passes. Well, does that mean that the DBs can't cover? Or does it mean that he was benefiting from the fact that he knew he couldn't get hit and defensive linemen couldn't get in his face and stuff? Like that? Who knows? You just—I'm just careful with like sweeping assertions off scrimmages. That um, it's one one of the reasons I'm kind of glad that we start getting a little limited on the access because when you get unlimited access, it's really tempting to try to turn into football expert, and you can you can get things wrong because you don't have the context of what it is that you're seeing.
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: Yeah, this kind of leads me to something that's kind of been, it worries me a little bit. So, there's a lot of younger reporters on the Auburn beat. And I would imagine it's this way most places because there's just more outlets now covering people like internet outlets and stuff. Yep. And I feel like young reporters haven't seen as much as we have, and I'm not talking down to anybody because we were young at one time too, but just like you were talking about, a lot of things that we see in in camp, you kind of have to view through the lens of we've seen this before and it doesn't always turn out the way we think. In fact, it often doesn't turn out the way we think it will particularly this early in the year. And you see a lot of these young reporters get taken this is get taken for a ride. You know, if there's a kid that's like, you know, really playing well, some freshman and they're like, "Oh, he's going to be big this year." And there's almost like this group think where it's like, "Well, if if this guy says that, you know, freshman A is going to be great, then we all need to start paying a lot of attention to freshman A, and then if I don't, because I've seen this tale before, then I feel like I'm putting myself behind." Does that make sense to you? I almost feel like yes. I have to keep up with them and
1: yeah, uh, I, I, I'm I guess maybe this is where I benefit from a little bit of reputation because I, I don't think I get included in those conversations or I intentionally avoid them. So I don't and I don't pay attention to what other people write on the beat because that's a trap if you're if you're not careful. But yeah, there's we establish media does we establish these narratives and the fans l- latch on to them and they're not necessarily true and you end up writing the whole season based off narratives that got established in August that might not be precisely accurate. And so I'm just kind of careful with that. I try to be, like there's a joke on our site. It's ongoing about depth charts, like do a depth chart. (sighs) I'm like, I'm not doing a depth chart. And here's why, because if I do one, I'm going to get something wrong and I'm going to hear from somebody about it. And that's that's a, in tennis terms, that's an unforced error. I'm, I'm going to wait, and when Ole Miss puts out a depth chart, I'll report the depth chart. It's their depth chart. Because at the end of the day, I'm not the one that determines who's the second-string linebacker or who's the first-string strong-side defensive end or who's the third-string tight end. As opposed. And just because I see some stuff in practice, I don't know whether somebody got demoted because they were late for a team breakfast or because maybe this is a drill where a coach just wants to look at somebody in a spot or maybe they want to get something on film. I don't have the whole picture because I'm not there the whole time. It's, I don't like doing that stuff, but, man, the young guys do it, and fans eat it up. And like, well, they have a depth chart. I'm like, okay, well, are you going to hold it against them on week one when it's wrong?
2: I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I've resisted depth chart speculation. There is a, a poster on our site that's been trying to keep one going, which I think is great if he wants to do it because, you know, he's, he's, a, he's behind a handle, I mean, and the coaches yeah, aren't going to come after his ass. He's not accountable. That's correct, um, although he's doing a great job. But, um, yeah, I just – that's another example of what I'm talking about earlier. Like, let's say I, as a 50-year-old reporter who's been here 20-something years, don't want to do that. But if some young guy at some other site wants to throw one together, even if it's 60% correct, then my folks are like, J.G., why don't you do one? And I'm like, because I don't want to fucking do it. That's why, because I I've been misled so many times. And it's not because the coaches do it intentionally. It's because a kid, you know, got a lot of snaps because the star player, they don't want to run him into the ground just yet. And as soon well, as the star player gets his snaps, he starts playing much better football. Like I,
1: We're also old school where accuracy really matters. How are you
2: and I? I just can't believe you
1: and I are old school. I, I
2: mean, I, I agree with your point, but it's we, hard for me to imagine myself that way.
1: When we started out on the Auburn beat, you and me, in 1998, we were competing against Ted Miller, who was a hell of a reporter. Mm-hmm. We were competing against Charles Goldberg who was an established name in Alabama. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, yeah. We were competing against Philip Marshall who was already a legend at that point. That was 20 something years ago. Yeah. We were competing against like Mark Murphy who'd been at inside the Auburn Tigers for like since
2: since Die like, started.
1: Since like Jefferson was president. <laughs> Sorry Mark. Um yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were just going up against a lot of dudes, and, and you being right mattered. Well,
2: and, also, if we screwed up, our, our shit had to sit out there in the newspaper for a full day.
1: Well, and you had to send stuff to editors. And so if you were wrong, you heard about it. You got a call. And these kids now, and I'm not knocking on them either, but these kids now, they don't really have bosses. And so they can miss stuff, and you can correct it in an instant on, on the Internet. And the news cycle's so freaking fast. I mean, the news cycle we live in today is so, like, like, what was it? Was it Monday night? There was a a raid on the former president's house in Florida (laughs) who might be running for president again. And today is Sunday. It's been six days. And I realize it's still a story, but we've all kind of, I, I, I saw the news cycles. They've kind of moved on to other stuff. The news cycle's just so fast that you can miss the hell out of something now and no one remembers. Yeah.
2: It's, it's minutes instead of days. I mean, back during the uh, Terry Bowden, the post-Terry Bowden coaching search at Auburn, I mean, it was just, you know, an update every day. You'd get to have one opportunity per day. I think you were at a PM or an afternoon paper at that time. Almost.
1: Yeah, I had, had afternoons and then Saturday morning.
2: So if you, you know, if I got beat by Goldberg, I'd have to stew in my own poopy diaper for a full day. Uh, it sucked. And now it's just, you know, a matter of minutes or, or even hours. So. It's changed a lot. I still don't like getting my ass beat, but it happens sometimes. just yeah. the way it goes. Uh, other things to discuss. Is this a good time to kind of go through our, our friends at Cathead? They've done a hell of a job, man, supporting so. us for years and years. Yeah. Uh, I know this. I have been drinking. Well, So the Cathead, uh, well, let me get my reader going here. Cathead Distillery are makers of fine spirits and other delicious refreshments that can be found throughout the Southeast and beyond. Their newest product is spreading like wildfire throughout the swimming pools like mine shindigs and get togethers on my locale and yours it's the Cathead sparkling my wife and her uh, conciliary becky are absolutely enamored with these Cathead sparklings and uh we got a we were drinking them at the pool the other day i've been drinking them too because i've had several of these because my, the girls are drinking them all the time and the cat heads are the best for real um some of the flavors i like more than others but uh she was told they were told because they were drinking them in the pool the other day that somebody had seen a different kind and so I had to go look this up on the internet. And Cathead, indeed, has more flavors coming. Uh, the four that we all know and love at this point are the limeade, the strawberry lemonade, which I really, really like, the mandarin Satsuma, and the cranberry. They're now going to have these things called Cathead Sparkling Sunsetters, which is basically just a change in, in flavors, I think, for these uh, late summer and then maybe into the fall. I don't know how long they're planning to go with this. But the mango, raspberry, uh, cucumber, mint, and pineapple, they call these things Sparkling Sunsetters. and It has kind of like an 80s vibe on the... Uh, on the tin, on the aluminum, I should say. So now you got a lot more choices when it comes to these uh, vodka sparklers, and uh, I'm telling you, they're really good. Now, I still drink the uh, the bourbon straight in the pool, but a lot of times when I run out, I'll start hitting the Cat Heads, and uh, they are delicious. You can find those in grocery stores, convenience stores, and liquor outlets near you. Cat of course, broke into this space with their Cat Head, uh, the the Blue Cat and the Cat Head Honeysuckle, their vodkas. You can also find the Cat Head Bitter Orange and perhaps the Pecan at my local ABC store here in Montgomery, Alabama, they have all four uh, when they're in stock. The, the uh, honeysuckle flies off shells like you wouldn't believe. It's really good. Actually, you can drink that straight. Also, goes great in a cocktail as well. Uh, Cathead's bourbons are excellent as well. I've been drinking this today. The uh, Tintype Type Series One. You know all about their ninety proof Old Soul, but their single barrel Old Soul at one hundred nine proof is a terrific standalone pour. A little more well behaved than this one. This one's, this one'll hit you. Uh, Again, you got to put, I got to put a little bit of water in that. Some of you guys might be fine with taking a 119 proof straight down the old gullet. But for me at my age, I like to have a little bit of, a little bit of water on that. If you can find that 109 proof stuff though, it's delicious. I have not seen it around me in a while. I've been looking. Uh, And also, again, 10 type series. If you see the 13 year, the 15 year, you've got to buy that. Uh, That's an automatic buy for me. I've only seen it once this year. It was in Lexington. Uh, so if you see it, get it. Look, you need Cathead in your life. Seek out their Cathead Sparkling or any of their fine spirits next time you're out. If your favorite bar or restaurant doesn't carry Cathead, make a request. Ask them to carry Cathead. Life is better with Cathead in it. So do what you got to do, Neil McCrady, and get that Cathead.
1: I've got the Cathead every uh, every Friday night. It's it's. Um, I'm not a big martini person. They're mm-hmm. not my drink, but my, uh, my, lovely, my lovely wife, Laura, loves martinis. And uh, Friday night is her martini night, <laughs> I'm making martinis, and I'm, wow. I'll tell you this, I apparently make a really good martini. I've really? Been told, yeah, I've, I've kind of perfected it a little bit. We found the right olives, the right olive juice, uh, just the right amount of vermouth, and then that cathead vodka, and got to get the ice in there. After you put the, the, the spirits and stuff in, you put the ice in, it's a certain number of shakes kind of a vigorous shake you strain it over a chilled martini glass with the olives it's good stuff
2: well you know your dad talked to you about how you owe it to your maker to be better at something every day and i think you've really taken him to, to, uh, to task on this
1: one i have i have improved week by week Attaboy. on the uh, on the martini Attaboy. and and your wife's happier and she's happier. Yeah, she she enjoys that. She looks forward to I think I think Friday she gets off at 5:30. I think she knows that sometime around 5:50 there's going to be a martini in a in a chilled glass. And that's that's something she looks forward to. You know in the that's, business we call that a tooth, a twofer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I taste it sometimes. It's just it's I don't know whether it's the vermouth or cuz I like olives and I like vodka. And I like a martini fine. Like if you told me this is the only thing we have, I'd be like, okay, well it's better than nothing. I'm good. Like I would, I, you know, I, I like it. It's not like I can I cannot I can't can't it's not like I just can't drink it. But it's just I like other things better. Like I like bourbon just better. Sure. Than a martini, but anyway, she enjoys it. I Jay, while you were uh, reading the Cathead thing, I got a notification that the pitcher for the Rays had a perfect game through eight, and so I turned it on immediately. When I flipped to it, he gave up a double, and he's now given up a wild pitch and a run. (laughs) Who is pitching? His name is Rasmussen. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, he's only thrown 87 pitches. He's got uh, eight and a third, but uh, Rays lead four to one, but he had a perfect game through eight going to the ninth. The ninth has not gone the way that he had probably hoped it would go.
2: Yeah, we've all been there, man you think you got something right there in your grasp and then she turns out to
1: be a little different, you know? Yeah, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) we're also brought to you guys by pinnacle. It's based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 States advisors in multiple States. They provide detailed specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and so much more. They treat investing like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. Regardless of your level of wealth, they're going to sit down with you. They're going to study your goals, study your expenses, put forth a comprehensive, detailed retirement plan built just for you. It's MyPinWealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, Wealth.com.
2: I, I was reading, I got to admit, I, I was reading on OxfordRumors.com the other day, and it, someone, there was an eyewitness that said they thought they had seen you, Neil McCready, and uh, the man behind Pinnacle Trust, uh, Stacey Wall, together. That is true. You guys had a chance to kind of hang out a little bit.
1: Stacy and his wife, Lynn, invited uh, Laura and I out for drinks. And on a Saturday, I guess it was a week ago Saturday. Mm, How'd that go? It was good. It was good.
2: Where'd Uh, y'all go? St. Olaf's or whatever?
1: We went to the, we went to
2: Sip. Sip. Is that, there's a one in Huntsville. Is it like a bourbon place?
1: Uh, No, it's a restaurant. Oh, word. Okay. Never mind. And, uh, but they have really good cocktails and we just, we just sat and had a few drinks. Um before we had to get back because carson had people coming over and so we carson's hit that age where when people are coming over we probably need to kind of be here
2: see i don't know man like don't you have to give them some space to kind of work things out yeah but
1: i I think when you live in a house where there's alcohol and such you and and they're 15 or 16 you you probably want to you probably want to just be present okay absent but present hey man it's your house
2: I'm glad you got uh, well, to hang out with Stacy. I'd like to hang out with Stacy
1: myself. Yeah, he, well, he would he would thoroughly enjoy that, Jay, that's for Why, sure. Why, does he
2: know how to party? Is that what we're talking about here?
1: He knows how to party, and I think he would love to party with you. Ooh, so I'd so like to come so. over then. So we we, we could probably make that work. Um, Last yeah, time
2: could, I partied at your house, we didn't get too crazy.
1: That was on a website, by the way? Yeah, it was on uh,
2: OxfordRumors.com. Last time I partied at your house, it was you, Laura, uh, Chance the Yapper and his wife, and then uh, – uh, Neil and uh, Avery.
1: Oh, yeah, that's when we were setting up OxfordRumors.com. I've never even heard of that. Dude,
2: don't look it up. I was kidding.
1: God bless, man. I just had I thought, a tipster tell me. I thought you were being serious. I,
2: <laughs> I totally took you down that road that far?
1: I, I, you never know, man. <laughs> so sometimes you want to get away, and uh, <laughs> and when you do, get in touch with John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners. that allows him to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. Here's the bottom line: get in touch with John. Say, hey, "Here's what I'm thinking about doing. That's what I want to do." Like for me, there's a trip that I want to take one day. I want to go to. Uh, want to go to London. Want to take. Uh, want to go to some of the English Premier League games.
2: That, that's not how it works.
1: Um, you never know.
2: That's not how it works. You have to be a. Uh... Uh, registered fan, let's say for you of Tottenham and you can go to Tottenham Games, but you can't just roll up in Man United games.
1: Yeah, that's true. Just telling well, you. Whatever. If I wanted to do a trip, I'd get in touch with John. We'll give him some parameters and we'll give him a budget. And he's gonna give me some options. You don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of the services. Nine oh one four nine four three three eight seven or J Edwards at RegencyTravel dot net.
2: Yeah, by the way, I said this in the last show, but uh he helped me a bunch. Uh Mr. Edwards did on our last trip and uh we kind of had to push him a little bit more. I mean, what I mean is we needed him more than we had in the last few trips. Uh, and he, he really came through. So he got us, uh, we changed our desires on transportation at the last minute and he had no problem making the adjustment. And, uh, it was perfect. It was just as though he had set that up months earlier. He's a stud. Yeah. He's really good at what he does. So I would heartily recommend him. Uh, A few other things to kind of run through here. Uh, I, we, I hate to say we dropped Maddie off. Maddie is now a junior at South Alabama. She's uh, very involved in Rush right now. Maddie is a Kai Omega, as is uh, Neil's two daughters. Right?
1: I know yeah. your oldest is. Yes, Campbell is. Uh, Campbell is right now in day two of Rush Week as the Rush chairperson. Wow,
2: that is an absolute. And this, this sounds like yo. Oh, she's a Rush chairperson. That is an absolutely difficult and all encompassing job that w- I don't think I could do.
1: Yeah, the fatigue has already um, hit her. And yeah, she's tired.
2: She has a lot of, she's an energetic person. Um and I I'm, but imagine she's gonna get run down too.
1: Twenty almost twenty four hundred girls going through Rush. Wow. she she had to go through every resume, every video, all that stuff. That's a that's a lot of work. It sure is.
2: At some point you're just like, Come on, let's just take her. You know what anyway. So, we, Maddie's a junior year, so, I mean, there's no there's no novelty to it anymore. I mean, she's going back to school, not a big deal. But she was here during the summer. We had a pretty good second half of the summer with her. I, and, and I, she, I don't know. I had more fun with her in the last six weeks than I've had, you know, in a six-week period ever, at least since she was a baby. And, I don't know, man, it was kind of hard to kind of take her stuff down to Mobile, and she's in a new apartment. It's It's really nice. I would be very stoked to have that apartment if I was her age, but – uh, it's just tough, man. I mean, I didn't cry or anything like I did the first time we dropped her off, but it's kind of sad, man. Just leaving her, and knowing I'm not going to see her again for like three months. It's kind of a bummer, man. It's it's weird. I like her more than I have in a long, long time. So
1: it's kind of well, tough. She's, she's getting to that age where you know, because when kids go through high school, they don't. We are, and I'm sure we did this to our parents too. But like you, you become smarter than your parents and cooler than your parents. And you don't really need your parents and then you get to college and you're like oh they did a lot of stuff for me they they really helped me and then I think there becomes a little bit more of an appreciation and you get to that age where um, there's more of a maybe it's the beginning of when you kind of become friends with your kids as because the raising part's kind of done and so maybe that's maybe that's part of it
2: maybe that's where I am I don't know Every now and then she'll say something like, you know, man, you guys really did hustle to get that done. I was like, yes, we did. Yeah. It's nice of you to notice. <laughs> Finally. So, anyway, that was kind of tough. But she's uh, they're getting Rush started. I, th- I think it starts on Tuesday for them at South. And uh, she's, she's involved with Rush, but she's not the Rush chairman. She's the sisterhood chairman. Oh, yeah. She, so, she's in charge of parties, which I think is a really good role for her. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's kind of a chip off the old block here because Jay uh, – Jay and Courtney did a little bit of partying back in our day.
1: Hey, I think my boy uh, Kane Womack and, and the Jags are going to be a pretty good football team this year. Yeah, I'm
2: sure hoping so, dude. I I mean, Maddie's fired up about it. I mean, everybody's – they have such a nice stadium. It's right there on yeah. campus. I think this is the second or third year it's been open.
1: And You know, it's not the SEC, Jay, at all, obviously. But Sunbelt, there's some pretty cool rivalries in that league. It's kind of a fun league.
2: Yeah, I know. It's when South and Troy tangle, I, you know. It's a tough one for me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's the toughest one for me. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some good robberies in that league. It's good football.
2: Yeah, I, and I'd love to see Kane do well. I mean, I know you feel the same way. So, oh, I, for sure. I, I personally think Kane's going to be an SEC coach before too long. But I do too. He's just kind of got to get through this uh, South Alabama gauntlet and see what happens, you know. I, they're getting better, and they're going to be better. And He's got everything he needs to be great, including yeah. how much of a badass he is.
1: He's built to be a, a coach. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Um, other things I just wanted to kind of work my way through. I don't know if you guys paid attention, but Anne Heche, the actress, passed away just the other day. And, uh, man, her final day was really something. Uh, she died, I guess you could say she died from injuries sustained in a car accident, which is the way you described it when I asked you about it, which is accurate. But, wow, man, she was an offender bender. This all happened in you know suburban L.A. She was an offender bender. That wasn't her fault. And the people who were on scene at that fender bender were like trying to get her to stop. Cause they knew something wasn't quite right with her. They thought she was concussed from that accident. Couldn't get her to stop. Like she just took off. And then she got into another accident and crashed into a house and started a huge fire and essentially, you know, burned very, very badly. But there was some ring video, you know, they have these ring, uh, right outside people's houses. Like a, you know, you could get a video monitor of like the street. Now I'm not a, Physicist, But they had some footage of her driving down the street where she ultimately crashed. I mean, she must have been going at minimum 80 miles an hour, like down a residential street similar to the one that you live on, Neil. It may have been faster. I mean, she looked like a dart going through there. I don't know if she, like, passed out with her foot on the accelerator or what. But my God, dude, I've never seen a car go through a neighborhood that fast. And she was going to get, I mean, they were already starting to set up to arrest her for DUI or whatever. uh, And then she died. And LAPD said they were dropping the case altogether. But, man,
1: weird way to go out. I don't know why you would do that. She was best known as Ellen DeGeneres' ex-wife partner, right? Yeah, yeah ex-wife, and Also
2: yeah. a uh, an actress of, of some esteem. And uh, I did a little bit of reading on this because it came up on Reddit. She had a very difficult childhood, <laughs> to say the least. She was abused and came from some people that maybe weren't as accepting as some others i mean her mom to her last day just like rebuked her because she was gay and you know whatever we'll go into that some other time uh another documentary just dropped recently about woodstock 99 there was one that came out earlier in the year and then there was one that just came out maybe just a couple days ago and i'm fascinated with stuff i really wanted to go to woodstock 99 i was covering auburn at the time and me and troy johnson who covered uh, auburn for the columbus georgia newspaper we were talking we got serious in talks about going but we decided we couldn't get there and back in time to be ready for camp. (coughs) So we didn't go and we watched it on TV and it was, we kind of regretted not going. But anyway, uh, this documentary man showed things got really out of control. I don't know how much Neil knows about this, but I mean, it was a three day event and I mean the night of day two, things got real weird. They essentially set fire to everything and it was lawlessness on the grounds there at the air force base where this was all held and, Essentially, this documentary wants to go through and try to find someone to blame for this, and I felt like the documentary tried to lay it on the feet of the bands, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Limp Bizkit is paid to be there to put on a great show, which they did. Corn is paid to be there to put on a great show, as they did. Same for Rage Against the Machine. Same for the Chili Peppers. How would you blame an act for doing a great job and getting the, uh, the fans whipped up into a frenzy?
1: I mean, that's, that's literally what you pay them for. Yeah, that's what, you, that's what you're hoping they come there to do.
2: So the blame rests with the people who organized the event and didn't have enough security and didn't have enough people to take out the trash and let this place become a, a garbage dump where people were miserable and wanted to rebel against it. If you got your shit together on that end, from infrastructure side, it would have been fine. Blaming Fred Durst, it just makes me sick. They did what they do. Rock bands, are not, they do not exist to bring peace to the world. They exist to bring chaos to the pit. You guys should have gone. Y'all should have made the trip. I know. We, I came so close. To, well, I was closer to going in 94. Actually, my friends ended up going, and I pushed out. And then 99, same. I should have gone. I think 94 would have been more fun. It's
1: in, in upstate New
2: York. Both of them were in upstate New York, yeah. One was out in the field, and one was at an Air Force base, an, an abandoned Air Force base. Yeah, you know, we were also thinking I hadn't thought about this at the time but Woodstock 99 was on that Air Force base and a lot of that was held on the tarmac like on the fucking runway you know so it's like 98 degrees outside and you're like sitting on a tarmac like I bet that's the hottest place on earth like
1: to be, yeah. if
2: you're in the grass or whatever it's not that bad but if you're sitting on white concrete like oh my god it would be so much hotter
1: what year was the original Woodstock 68? 69, 69. and then they
2: had a 94 and a 99 Okay. No, and that may have been it. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be <laughs> another one. Uh, yeah, not so good. Uh, we've been watching, my wife and I have been watching this uh, uh, limited series on HBO called uh, Five Days of Memorial, which is about, as you would expect, five days at the Memorial Hospital in uh, downtown New Orleans. So this is the five days uh, right after cur- hur- hur- ugh, Hurricane Katrina hit, and then the levees broke and then they flooded and it just turned into an absolute mess and yeah we've not finished this this show we're working our way through but i can tell where we're headed and it ain't good and i did not remember or i did not know i thought all the things that happened to new orleans after hurricane katrina happened at once so i thought the hurricane hit and everything was fucked up and then you know you try to dig yourself out a little bit by a little bit but that's not how it happened the storm hit And then there was like a day where it was okay, and then the levees broke, and then everything went to hell.
1: Yeah, because the storm jogged to the to the east. They thought, you know, it was coming up. They thought it was just going to be this was going to be the big one that was just going to go right over New Orleans and just decimate it. And then it jogged to the east to this landmass that's between Louisiana and Alabama. Sometimes people refer to it as Mississippi. But sometimes they just refer to it as landmass. <laughs> the epicenter of that storm hit like... Like Long Beach, Mississippi? Yeah, and, and Gulfport and all the, that area down on the Mississippi coast. And so that next morning, I think New Orleans woke up and at least for a minute thought, hey, we dodged another bullet. Because it's always been, since I'm, I'm from Louisiana, and as a kid I can remember... Man, if the perfect storm ever hits New Orleans, it's because New Orleans is in a bowl, you know, it's a, it's a soup bowl. If New Orleans has ever hit hard, it's going to be the end. It's going to flood. It's going to be a disaster. And the levees will breach and all that stuff. And all that money had gone to Louisiana over the years to fix the levees. And I don't think that's where the money ended up going. And, um, that next day, the lev- I remember that morning when the levees were breached and the flooding began, and it was, as you can see in that documentary, I'm sure, it was catastrophic. And there's just the, the, the myriad of failure there, decades worth of failure, primar- primarily by Louisiana politicians. Um, that, that day was yeah. one that I think a lot of people knew could come, and it did.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's like a drama based on real events, and uh, yeah, I don't like where it's going. I can tell where we're headed. It's a big-ass hospital. And, I mean, if it floods, you know, 15 feet, you can't get people out of there, and you don't have electricity. And that's just worst-case scenario for a—
1: And it was really, really hot in the days following Katrina. It was like a heat wave that went through, and it was, it was, it was devastating. To go back and think about those days is just brutal. Yeah. Anyway,
2: I think it's worth a watch. Uh, at least so far, we're about two and a half shows through. And I can tell it's really well done, but I, it's going to be a story of misery and sadness. I think we already know where this is headed. Yeah. I also want to mention we had a bunker bourbon event in Huntsville last week. Uh, meeting again with my peoples. We have lots of really good AuburnSports.com members who live up in the Huntsville uh, Madison area, North
1: Alabama. Area's growing. Big oh my time.
2: gosh, big time! And it's it's almost like you're not in Alabama anymore because it's there's there's money there, and the people are like smart. It's a very intelligent area. Like, seriously, I'm telling yeah. you. I know, yeah. So it feels like you're in, like, South uh, Nashville instead of being in Alabama. I say that lovingly because I live in Montgomery. I like to refer to it as Hampstead, but whatever. Uh, just to distance myself from it. But anyway, uh, had a great time, and I think that's my second trip up there in a year. Maybe my third trip in a year. I love going out now and just meeting with subscribers and hanging out, and we do bourbon tastings and parties and shit like that. Try to do one per quarter. I'd like to do more. But uh, you know how it goes sometimes, and I always think that Neil McCready and uh, Chance the Yapper ought to do more of that, more outreach uh, for the Rebel Grove folks, uh, the great Rebel Grove folks. I mean, everybody I've ever met or contacted with uh, from Rebel Grove is an absolute legend. I mean, Georgia Rebel Sammy uh, Leif, uh of course, Stacy Walls is a stud. Um, Avery's a stud, at I should say. She's not a stud, is she?
1: She's a legend she would probably prefer to be called a studette, studette studette yeah she's
2: awesome and neil of course is cool neil, not neil mccready but neil uh, avery's husband and uh, yep. everybody yep. i've ever met man just pimps man and, and awesome people so maybe you should do a
1: little <laughs> more outreach i don't know that i don't know that neil would refer to himself as a pimp
2: well but- no not him but i just met the whole community you know
1: <laughs> but he is a great guy yeah
2: no i had a good time hanging out with him man i I'd like to bounce some stuff off of him every now and then if I could. I think he's a
1: he's a he's a, a voice of reason. You know he's I mean? a rum the way that you are the bourbon. Yeah, he's
2: a, that's why I was telling you he's a stud. That's what I was that's what I meant.
1: He's a big time rum guy. But maybe you
2: should do a little bit more of that. Maybe I'd be willing to get involved in some of those outreach events if you're going to do that. Um, I mean, i I'd, I'd come a long way to hang out.
1: I really would. That would probably uh, that would probably make it more successful if you were there. You're 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 better in those settings than than I am.
2: Well, it's all about practice, bro. I mean, it's about that want to, and it's about that love for the drinking. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Also, uh, in other news, uh, Living Newton-John passed away on the, uh, I guess, late last week at 73 years old. Uh, A a gal who, Neil and I, let's see, I'm 50, Neil's 52, I think, so just maybe we're just a little bit too young because she really hit when Grease came out maybe 77 or 78. Yeah. And uh, she was like a sex symbol, like, maybe the first sex symbol that we paid attention to maybe
1: she was a sex symbol for us before we were really kind of ready to think about sex symbols yeah like sex symbols they were a thing but we weren't there yet you know what i mean we just weren't quite there yet and so for me the first sex symbol was probably cheryl teague's
2: cheryl teague's
1: because Cheryl Teagues was a Charlie's angel and she was on do you remember the Sears catalog oh of course oh yeah uh-huh, don't yeah. we all you took the Sears catalog upstairs of course I mean. you did man and uh yeah she was she she wore the it was just a one piece but boy I'll tell you it's one piece you remember
2: I don't think Cheryl Teagues hit or hit it for me I mean I know who I'm familiar with who she is and I think she had the the iconic uh poster right that everybody yeah. had like the kind of copper colored swimsuit is that what it was or she had a blue one
1: i, I i'd have to let me, let me see if i can find it could It could
2: be farrah fawcett i'm thinking of that's just a little bit before me but
1: i think you are thinking about fair you know,
2: the irony about Liv newton john is a lot of times when guys are talking about her and these are obviously guys with certain age because young people don't know who she is but they talk about how she came out at the end of that movie and like the black leather smoking and all that stuff but that's not what really got me going is when she was sandy i mean like when she was wearing like the The light yellow outfits with, like, the really tight top with the flowing dress and stuff. Like, that was, I thought she looked her best at that point. And I think for a long time, that was, like, my archetype of what girls should look like, which is really a bad idea. Because, I mean, dude, it was like, I grew up in the 80s, right? And she was portraying a girl in the 50s. So, I'm already out of date before I even get fucking started, which is really stupid. But I think she was the first chick I had a huge crush on, though.
1: Cheryl Teague's the, the 1983 Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover
2: that was a good thing to have at the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
2: she's aged well too. I think she's still well. This picture—I don't know how long ago it was. I feel like I feel like there's a gap between Olivia Newton-John and Kathy Ireland, which have been the two big ones for me. But I don't know who was going what was going on between those two. But
1: yeah, I, I had a I had a relationship with Kathy Ireland for a while.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, she might be the perfect one too because she ain't no dummy. Like she—I know she was a model and everything—but she's very bright.
1: Yeah, our relationship was kind of one-dimensional. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, was it? It's kind yeah. of one way. It was well, it was kind of one, literally one-dimensional. Uh, it was mostly me and pictures of her. But yeah, um, I understand. But yeah, but we were close for a while. Um, we had some had some really good times.
2: We gotta do like a little bracket, maybe for the next uh, uh, March Madness. We do like the hottest '80s models.
1: I would enjoy that. You get Cindy Crawford in there. You get Kathy yep. Ireland.
2: You get Al McPherson. Uh, you get the chick into the guest jeans ones forgot her name now
1: we could get into some of the the like uh Carol Alt remember her <gasps> Carol Alt the wrong sound for
2: that but yeah yeah
1: Carol Alt uh moved the needle <laughs> so to speak yeah uh, so to speak was it Elsa Benitez was she 80s or was she 90s I
2: don't know who that is but I think I would like to know
1: I'm, I'm about to find out Elsa Benitez yeah she's a Mexican model she was in Sports Illustrated I like where we're going with this uh, this is a great start. Uh, Elsa Benitez is 44 today. She actually married Ronnie Cycli. The oh, year.
2: yeah, he's hairy, but he was a good player. Played at Syracuse.
1: Um. And the Heat. She's five foot ten. Ooh, I like the. Oh, I like where this
2: is going. If
1: you tell me she has a
2: master's degree in electron microscopy, I'm going to be
1: even more excited. So she was more like 90s. So this is and my infatuation with her was probably at a time when it was not particularly. I can't blame it on just juvenile youth.
2: Yeah, well, you can't blame that Oklahoma State dance team on juvenile youth either.
1: What? We were all intrigued. Intrigued is fair to say. <laughs> By the Oklahoma State but The man. real
2: trade would have been this. Would you have traded one Oklahoma State dance member for the whole Winthrop dance team? <laughs> <laughs> that comes, that breaks it down to the quantity over quality debate, and that's a, that's a tough one.
1: I don't think it's that tough. I think I'd go OSU.
2: Oh, I think I would go for the whole group. Because that way, see, look, man, if you've got 13 girls – you only got to take the top three and you tell the rest of them that you're not feeling good. And then you got three for one.
1: Oh, that's true. I guess.
2: And they're Winthrop instead of Oklahoma state. So maybe they have less self-esteem. <laughs> that's,
1: that's, you see where I'm going with this? Definitely true. I'm going to guess that that Oklahoma state dance team had a lot of self esteem.
2: You know, I bet we could find it in that picture somewhere. Cause I know some other people on the beat that had it. Someone had it as their, uh, their background screen for a while. I had it as my background screen
1: for <laughs> quite a period of time. Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> you know, we'd probably wrap, we ought to wrap it up there. We were supposed to be talking about the streaming wars, but we'll just hit that next time.
1: Yeah. We'll have to look that up another time. All right. We'll stop there. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, Jay. Uh, thanks to everybody for, uh, joining us. Appreciate you, um, kind of hanging with us as we get, uh, through August and into the routine of, of the fall. Uh, enjoy, uh, what's left of your, uh, of your summer, I guess. And, um, For Jay, I'm Neil. Thanks to Cathead for making this show possible. We always appreciate them. And we will talk to you again soon with episode number 187 of Greatest Pod in the South. Until then, take care.